0: That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com/slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.
1: This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSN, the Sports Betting Network.
0: <laughs> All right, Sharp Money
2: as we welcome you in on a Tuesday, I'm laughing. Because Amal Shaw and I, I'm Patrick Maher, were joking about Dustin Swedelson falling in love at the long bar at the D as he was headed up to the broadcast there. Fremont Street, downtown Las Vegas, the boys. Dustin Swedelson, Amal Shaw, again, sharp money. I'm Patrick Maher. Amal, hi, how you doing?
3: I'm doing well, thanks. I think I'm doing a lot better than Deshaun Watson is doing at playing quarterback right now, but everything else is good. Yes,
2: sir. We'll get to that defense delivers for... The Pittsburgh Steelers, a 26-22 winner as they close dogs. So outright at home, a lot of stats to back up why we should have backed the Steelers. The big guy, he found love in a crazy place. What's cracking? When are you going to step up in our friendship? What do you, I'm. So, please back up. All I said was you found love. Now you're hitting on me. Like, what? What did I do?
4: I, you know, last night I had a couple good feels on a few bets, and then I had a couple I'm throwing out there. And, like, you step in when my eating's out of control. You step in when my drinking's out of control. You step in when things we can't talk about on the air are out of control for me. But I played seven bets between the two games last night. And at no point did you go, hey, Dustin, maybe dial it back a little bit.
2: (laughs) Well, well, I did. And and just as a reaction, I don't know if you sent the jokes that you were blasting off on social media to Amal Shaw. I did. But you have to admit, you were like five for five, which is absolutely, (laughs) I, I guess I would say, inappropriate jokes, which we'll get to at some point on your social throughout the show. Was that the way to categorize those? Yeah, I just realized I need to
4: send one of those so we can use it later. In the show, so I'm doing that as we speak. That's a good <laughs> yes, idea. Yes, you do.
2: Yeah. I think that's about Najee Harris. So we should start there. <laughs> Look, the game, Amal Shah, was overshadowed by Nick Chubb's gruesome yeah. injury. Uh, the All Pros suffered a significant injury, of course, the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Second quarter, already 10 carries, 64 on the ground for Chubb, who's great. I mean, he's gone over 1,000 yards last year, over 1,500 yards in four straight seasons. Uh, One of five players in NFL history to rush for eight touchdowns in his first five seasons. He's averaged 5.3 yards per carry over his career. That's the third best in the Super Bowl era. I'm building him up because he deserves it. Uh, That was horrible to watch Chubb go down them all.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, it reminded me of the catastrophic injury he had at Knoxville when he was playing for Georgia, and that was a devastating knee injury. And, you know, Patrick, we've talked a lot about running backs on this show in terms of the value and teams paying them, what the potential is for a running back, and you see arguably the best running back in the National Football League go down. Gosh, it only hurts guys like Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, and other players potentially getting into free agency at that position. Uh, it just seems like it's only going to add to the devaluation, devaluing of that position.
2: Yep, 100%. Uh, Chubb, that was horrible. Jerome Ford comes in, actually played pretty well. We'll get to the next step for the Browns and what they will do. Uh, at running back is is it going to be forward moving forward they're going to have to add somebody to the roster but let's get into the game I I don't know what you two thought about the two games last night it's not necessarily like if you're talking about San Francisco and their offense it's kind of baroque where there's a lot of movements uh, a lot of irregularities last night what we saw with new orleans and carolina and then certainly cleveland and pittsburgh big guy kind of straightforward offenses not a lot of action defense as i mentioned saved the day for the steelers which we'll get into i don't think you can necessarily rely on two defensive scores moving forward if you're mike tomlin and the steelers who pick up a win in division 26 22
4: yeah and i guess there is a uh, an issue at the border And I'm talking about north of the border with a man named Matt Canada. Now, I think he's from America, but his last name's Canada. Do you think his family founded Canada? Is that how Canada came to be? But he's an issue. I don't know if it's him. I don't know if it's Kenny Pickett. But similar to some of the situations we discussed yesterday with, like, Justin Herbert and Brandon Staley. I don't know if it's Staley. I don't know if it's Herbert. But I know you can get rid of one easier than the other. So I think in this situation... Matt Canada is on borrowed time for what he's designing for the Steelers. I'm not a big Kenny Pickett guy. I think he's fairly limited as a passer, but the scheme has to be way more inspired than that if you want to move the ball consistently.
2: Amal, they opened with a pick six from Highsmith, first play from scrimmage, kind of closed the game with a scoop and score from T.J. Watt, who also, by the way, fellas, set the record for the Pittsburgh Steelers as far as sacks by an individual player. But that really was the story. Dustin Amal just brought up Kenny Pickett, 15 of 30, 222. A third of those yards come from your boy out of Georgia, a 77-yard touchdown reception. So, again, two defensive scores, Pickett was okay, had the long touchdown pass, and that really is the story for the Pittsburgh Steelers.
3: Oh, you're absolutely right. This is alarming. And, you know, there were chants yesterday of fire Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator we were just talking about. But, And I love Mike Tomlin's uh, statement in the uh, Tribune review. He's like, well, I don't begrudge the fans. And I think if things don't pick up very quickly, you could see some changes here. It's disappointing if you're a Steeler fan, Steeler backer, for them to have just this type of performance overall. I know they get the victory. But how many times are you going to sit there and rely on a pick six on the first play of the game and then a sack, fumble, scoop, and score? I don't know if the Steelers would have been able to get a touchdown if they just get the football and T.J. Watt's unable to score. Uh, Patrick, when you look at this team offensively, not a lot to you know, be excited about. I know they get the 26 points, but again, from an offensive standpoint, 14 this week and then 7 the previous week, not a great job on the offensive side.
2: And, big guy, I know we're going to get to Tomlin, who spoke after the game. But if you add – and we'll get to the Cleveland side. We'll get to the losing side of this in just a bit. But if you add the four turnovers from Cleveland, I mentioned the two defensive turnovers, which is not – you can't rely on it, obviously. It is a home division win. They're not going to apologize for it. But a lot needs to change – for this Pittsburgh team moving forward offensively if they're going to make some adjustments and end up winning this division. you see, uh, Let's go ahead and throw up the odds, actually, boys, and take a look. I don't know if anything changes from yesterday. You see the shortened odds for the Ravens. They're now even money to win the AFC North. Amal Shaw 2-0 in division. And you look at the rest, you've got a 1-1 Browns team at 330, You've got a Bengals team 0-2. Remember, started 0-2 last year, finished up 12-4, went to the AFC Championship game, so you can't write off the Bengals and the Steelers sitting at the bottom of them all 5.5-1 in the North.
3: I'd tell you right now, I'd make a play on the Bengals. Plus plus four seventy five. get the Rams at home. I totally agree. Get the Rams at home on Monday night. Look, Joe Burrow's status is a concern. However, if you beat them, you're at Tennessee. That's a very winnable game. You're at Arizona. That's a winnable game. You've got the Seahawks at home then you've got to buy. Great four-game situation coming up here when you look at it from the standpoint of the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes, it was a tough home loss, and you're 0-2 in the division. It doesn't mean that the Ravens can't have some injuries, and that's a team that's been besieged by injuries over the last number of years. Uh, their, to me, their schedule will get a little bit more challenging for the Bengals as the season progresses. But if you're going to take a shot, this is the appropriate time to do it. I think, again, you're not going to get these types of odds on a team of this caliber, generally speaking, to win a division this early. I, I think the overreaction is too much on the pricing. The Ravens will probably win this week against the Colts at home, and then they're at the Browns, at the Steelers, at the Titans. Three consecutive weeks on the road, guys. That's a good opportunity to make some money if you're going to take a team at plus 475 to win a division.
2: Totally get. We'll look to what's next for the Steelers and get the number. They're going to be in Vegas on Sunday night. Just to wrap up, again, a ton of overs. You had the split. Remember, Fezik, professional handicapper, came on Sharp Money yesterday and said you'd probably be good if you went 1-1 one and one on the overs. 13-3 on the week to the over. Cleveland and Pittsburgh does cash over the closer of 38.5. Again, Cleveland closed 2.5 on the road. Big guy, an outright winner for Pittsburgh at home.
4: On your points about the division, we already knew this division was going to be a slog. It was going to be tough to get through. Whoever wins this is going to be pretty beaten up record-wise at the end. We don't expect a like 13-14 win team to win this division. It's, just, it's really tough every single year. I think Amal's point and your point about the Bengals is totally spot on. You just buy low now, and if you miss, you miss. At 475, it's okay to miss because here's the thing. Only... Six teams have made the playoffs after starting 0-3, right? If they lose to the Rams somehow, they'd be 0-3. 0-2 yeah. is a little more doable, and we've seen this team do it before because Zach Taylor in his tenure there, they've started like 1-9 in weeks 1-2 and 2 since he took over the Bengals. They're used to slow starts, and we've seen them make deep playoff runs before. They are the exception to the rule. I, I
3: completely. They don't
2: participate, the Bengals, to Amal's point, at plus 475 in division and why I like it with you, Amal. Obviously, we have a track record yeah. of them starting slowly, but they just don't participate. The Bengals in the preseason—that's what they do. And remember, Taylor off that McVeigh, which we discussed discussed yesterday, coaching tree, and he, he has the same philosophy. Although the Rams have started hot to start the year,
3: no, you're absolutely right about it. And to me, when you look at this team right now, look, Dustin just alluded to what Zach Taylor's done in his first uh, previous or his first five seasons in terms of getting off to slow starts. I don't know, guys. Are you a buyer in the Pittsburgh Steelers? I think the answer would be no for no. you guys. No, no, no. Um, no. I, I know you guys like the Ravens to win the division. I think it's a pretty good bet. But real quick, Patrick, I want to ask you, what's your take on Deshaun and where you come out on him and the Browns without Nick Chubb now? Even though Jerome Ford looks like a pretty good running back, people may not realize this kid was recruited to Alabama and then ends up transferring to UC and has done a nice job. But still, it's not Nick Chubb. To answer your, to
2: answer your question about... <clears throat> Deshaun Watson I think Baker Mayfield's playing very well in Tampa how about the (laughs) irony (laughs) seriously how about committing all of that to Deshaun and the irony your boys actually balling down south in Tampa and to flip it as far as and we should have a conversation boys Uh, Kenny Pickett and Dustin you and I were having a conversation earlier and I don't know where you stand on Pickett Show. We mentioned 15 of 30, a lot of it to Pickens with the 71-yard touchdown pass where he did everything on that little slant. Uh, pick it to me, it's almost like, where did he go? 17th, first round, first quarterback off the board. That felt like an eh as far as a pick for the Steelers, and he does feel like he feels pretty basic. I, I Again, long way to go for the dude in his career. He feels like a basic quarterback to me.
3: Well, yesterday, Dustin opened up our- with seven and one today he says to me goes your guy kenny pickett's not the answer i mean he's not wrong but i hate admitting when i'm wrong on a quarterback and i have to start to reevaluate where i sit on kenny pickett because i got to tell you guys i don't think the steelers can compete in this division with kenny pickett at the helm
2: the steelers are at the raiders coming up on sunday night we'll set up the number we've had a flip there and when we come back we'll hear from deshaun watson mike tomlin and frank reich do we have to talk about the panthers
5: 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This
1: is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
2: Okay, put the Vsin experts to work for you this football season. Sign up now and save 10% off the Vsin Pro annual subscription. Hey, when you do it, give us credit. Help us out. Use the promo code SHARP, S-H-A-R-P. Get full access, our daily best bets. That's worth it just the price alone betting splits plus betting systems premium analysis and then you get the 24/7 video access remember to use the promo code sharp and you can save 10% annual subscription right now slash subscribe so we've been talking coming off last night Watson and Bryce Young and Kenny Pickett we've been talking about the quarterbacks there's nobody better discussing quarterbacks than Tim Jenkins quarterback trainer analyst all things QB on youtube make sure to check out the new videos on brock purdy tua russell wilson justin fields it's all there you can also find tim jenkins on twitter at t jenkins elite and he joins us now hi tim we say hi to you and thank you i want to start with bryce young um maybe it's a lack of talent on the outside offensive line but let's start there what'd you see from the carolina number one overall pick last night against new orleans
6: yeah, I mean, I think you see what uh, you see from typical number, over one, uh, number one overall picks, which is that team was picking number one for a reason, right? Like, I mean, I think the reality is is they've, they've kind of depleted their weapons, right? And then you look at what they're trying to get done with him from he just holding the ball too long, right? They're trying to push the ball down the field. All of a sudden, he holds it too long, and he takes the sack. Then you turn on the tape and you go, hey, why in the heck were you holding the ball so long? And it's just guys are blanking it, right? So for me, it's like, I think when you look at Carolina, that's going to be a tough road to get him to be productive. Um, I think the kid has the talent for it. I just think the reality is is he is going to get beat down for a while, and that is part of the process for some of these guys. And I think if anyone can handle it, it's probably him. Uh, but it's a it's a tough road for Carolina right now.
3: Tim, on your YouTube channel, you've got a couple of uh, videos on uh, Justin Fields, all things QB, hosted by Tim Jenkins. You can find it over on YouTube. Just kind of give us your assessment for people that have not had the opportunity yet to watch what you discussed and what you thought about him in terms of potentially regressing.
6: Yeah, man, if you're not a Bears fan, don't watch it. It's horrible. <laughs> I think like the reality is, is Justin is... He is struggling, and he's missing concepts, but if you guys were to just sit here and speculate and say, like, hey, I've only watched highlights of Justin Fields, what, what I guarantee everyone in this room would be able to come up with is, hey, let's put him in some RPO situations, right, where he can get out of the pocket. Well, they've had two designed quarterback runs through two games, and they've really done no RPO, right? Anytime you see him stick the ball out and shotgun, it's like a, Modified play action, which doesn't really influence anybody either. Then you'd say, "Hey, let's try to get a, let's try to get DJ Moore the ball." They haven't done that. Uh, DJ Moore had six catches for 104 yards, and I'm going to be honest with you guys, I'm not sure he's progression number one on any of them. And then you sit there and you would say, "Hey, let's try to go fast to simplify the defense we're facing," and and they're slowing down and going to the huddle. I, I think it's like, yeah, it's tough up there in Chicago right now. I think. This staff and this quarterback might not be the best fit. I know they're changing some of his footwork, which I also think is just a terrible decision um, with where he's at in the development process. So I just think, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a fire up there in Chicago right now. And the nice thing for them though is they are going to play one of the play in one of the easier places in football, which is Arrowhead and, and the Chiefs. They don't have a test at all.
2: <laughs> okay, well, hold. On. I want to follow up because I love this. A great question, Amal and Tim. I want to talk, when you're speaking about Justin Fields, how much of it is system, and as a former quarterback yourself and a quarterback trainer, that's what you do, what do you see from Fields? Help Chicago Bears fans understand, what do you see passing-wise that should give them hope?
6: Yeah, so this is what I would tell you. So when you say, like, how much is system and how much is field? Well, I'll give you the exact scenario, okay? Week one, Justin misses a wide-open uh, wide sale route and it was the second guy in his progression, meaning you're supposed to peak the outside go, the outside ultra high. That's your first progression. Then you get to your sail route, okay? Justin misses a wide-open sail route, and he gets to his third progression, which is his back out of the backfield. So, one, you would, you you know, at a rudimentary level, you'd say, well, that's on Justin, right? His number two progression was open, and he missed it. Well, is it on Justin that he's now his right foot is back in the shotgun? So instead of taking a traditional burn it up five hitch to the ultra high reset to the sail like he's done at Ohio State and all of his years playing quarterback, instead now we're right foot back and we're going to go four. Okay, so now I'm getting that sail route a split second early. Linebackers still carrying them, so then I get to my checkdown because I feel like the linebackers carried it. And a lot of people say, "Well, Tim, Aaron Rodgers plays with his right foot back, or this guy plays with his right foot back." It's like remind me what those guys did when they were learning to play quarterback in the National Football League because you want to go ahead and put old Aaron Rodgers tape on it doesn't look anything like it does now the reason those vets play with their right foot back and some of those guys is because listen their eyes getting somewhere early won't fool them to me the worst thing you can do for a young quarterback is get his eyes sped up in the progression versus checking it at the right time so to me it's like that's the push-pull of is it scheme or is it Justin? Because to be honest with you, I tell you, that's a 100% scheme. Because if we don't scheme up our footwork to match our eyes in the progression, you know, that's something that we're coaching to happen, right? However, you could easily spin it as, hey, you got to be good enough to realize the backer's carrying right now, but he's going to drop off. And then to that, you just say, like, listen, with the amount of reps you get because of what the NFLPA's negotiated for some reason that we're going to, like, not develop guys in practice because we don't want to practice hard anymore. Like you just can't you you can't get enough reps on a young quarterback without seasons and seasons
3: of season seeing these concepts. Tim similar question. Patrick just asked you a great question in Denver. Is it Russell Wilson? Is it Sean Payton? Combination of both or is Russell Wilson just done and there's nothing to come back from to? Yeah, I'm gonna be honest with you guys, I think the Broncos, the offense doing pretty good. I
6: think they don't look as productive because week one, they played a weird game. It was like they had like something like four or five possessions. Like it was both teams held on the football, so then you get the lower scoring and then all of a sudden they drop thirty three. The bigger issue to me, the surprise in Denver when I watch the tape is the defense. Right? Like I think Sam Howell's a better quarterback than we sometimes give him credit for. I think he's got that commander's offense rolling a little bit. But man, giving up thirty five that's tough. And even if you remove the Hail Mary from it, the Broncos still score 27, and you sit there and you felt pretty good about a lot of the possessions. Now, there's a situation where it's like Russ didn't scramble. He's got to hold to the ball. He ends up fumbling. But those are things that you kind of live with from the quarterback side of it. right? When your guy's extending, trying to make a play, you kind of live with those. I, I think Russ is going to have a bounce-back year this year. I like what Sean Payton's doing with this offense. I like the Mims kid, man. I mean, he had two big-time explosive plays. That, that was kind of exciting to see from the young kids. So that's exciting. But this defense, you sit there and you go, how are they getting gashed? you got Sertan, you got Simmons, you got all these coverage guys, and you're like, how are we getting gashed? It just doesn't make sense. So that, to me, is where I think this Broncos team is losing football games. I think Russ is doing pretty good. I think Sean's got him on the right track. That offense, I really believe, will be dynamic. It could have been so much better. If they didn't lose Tim Patrick to injury in training camp, but I still think they kind of have the horses to make a run late in the year.
2: Okay, QB guru Tim Jenkins, weekly spot here on Sharp Money. Love Tim, love talking quarterbacks. Let's stay with the same game. you got two minutes, and we'll come back after the break with you, Tim. Sam Howell. Dustin clown me. he said he got lucky when he split the defenders in the back of the end zone with McLaurin. I thought that was all arm strength. I'm beyond, I thought he played an A-plus game against the Broncos. What are you seeing from Howell with the Commanders? Yeah,
6: I mean, I like Howell. I like him. I, I broke down his week one stuff. Here's what, I, so yeah, every once in a while, quarterback will fit something in that you go, oh man, I don't know if I'd have tested that, right? But then we also got to realize they got shots in their golf bag that we don't have, right? We've all played with guys where you sit there and you go, man, I can't believe you just hit a 64 degree there. But, you know, I couldn't do that. But, hey, good for you. So I, I think sometimes we got to let NFL quarterbacks have a pass there. But, man, his week one stuff, what what you like most about Sam isn't even sexy from a quarterback perspective. It's like... You know, you guys remember week one when he gets knocked the hell out on the sideline, right? The ref goes down, and then he's back in there battling for his dudes. Like, that's what I think part of this commander's team is so galvanized by, because you've got a guy that you get in the huddle, and he's bloodied up, and he's like, no, I'm here to ride with you. Like, there's something about that that galvanizes the football team. And then you look at it, man, they're down 21-3 to or 21-7, to and they fight all the way back. And a lot of that has to do with the kid is just, grinding through his progressions and I think the enemy also feels like he has something to prove up there.
2: Tim Jenkins. I I can't get enough of the quarterback stuff. Amal, let's come back with Tim and continue the conversation. You can check out the YouTube page All Things QB. Trust me, if you're into the quarterback play, you got to go check that out. At T Jenkins Elite quarterback trainer and analyst Tim Jenkins on the other side, we're going to get into Tua, who's been a revelation. How much of it is Tua. How much of it is that McDaniels system also Trevor Lawrence some questions coming out of week two against Kansas City and then we want to talk about Jalen Hurts okay so more to come Brock Purdy as well a new video from Tim on Purdy coming back the other side with Tim Jenkins sharp money It's be sin the sports betting network
1: is sharp money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSN the sports betting network.
2: Okay, more with Tim Jenkins coming up. DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day, so check them out new customers. And here's the deal. $5 you bet it, you get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. Football's more fun when you're in on the action, so download the app right now and sign up using the code SHARP. New customers can bet just $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL. You got to use that code SHARP, okay? The crown is yours over at DraftKings. We're back. Amal Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson at the D, Downtown Las Vegas. I'm Patrick Maher, live from Los Angeles. Tim Jenkins, who's great quarterback trainer, analyst, all things QB on YouTube. Also Jenkins Elite. That's the academy where he trains uh, upcoming quarterbacks. Ten locations in seven states. Awesome stuff. At T Jenkins Elite on Twitter. We say hi to Tim again. Okay, Brock Purdy. Obviously, it's been. Discuss ad nauseum and that being Mr. Irrelevant, but you just did a breakdown on Purdy. What have you seen from Purdy, and what do you expect from him moving forward?
6: Yeah, I'm excited about Purdy. So it's twofold. His tape, I think, is solid, right? Week two, he made the throws he was supposed to make. He made a couple of tough ones where it's like, man, they've got a free runner, and he hits a dig route, you know, a little 12-yard in route. With someone bearing down on him, he made a big throw, made a big throw to Debo. Here's the thing. He had two significant misses. They ran sluggo, right, which for the people listening that don't know what that is, it's slant and go. So receiver goes up three steps, in three steps. He avoids contact, gets outside and gets vertical, right? That's how we're going to teach sluggo. We have Ayuk wide open, Purdy air mails him, which like on the surface you say, hey, one physical, you know, miss a game, that's fine, right? But then we bounce back and we have Debo running on almost the same Jimmy G Super Bowl play, right? Guys wide open, and we airmail him again. Those are the things where I sit there and I'm just like, man, the question isn't whether or not Brock Purdy's a good quarterback. He is. It's not whether or not this Niners team is a good ball club because they're all. it feels like they're year in and year out a good ball club. The question is, can he get them over the hump? And those are the plays that you sit there and you go – Hey, it doesn't bite you in the tail against the Rams week two, but does it bite you in the tail in the NFC title against the Eagles or the divisional round against the Cowboys? Like when do these things bite us, and is he the guy who's going to step up and get him over that hump? That's what we need to see over the next few weeks because it's like the, the plays that he's supposed to make he's making, which already puts him in a different echelon than the guys that we kind of discussed, you know, last segment. But to get to that next level of quarterback play where you're the guy who carries them through the playoffs, we can't then miss those deep shots, and then we definitely can't miss some of these third downs or red zone throws that he missed in Week 2.
3: Tim, uh, Jalen Hurts, aside from breaking him down in terms of what he's done, what has been the biggest ascension that you've seen with him from the collegiate level to the professional level? I I have to tell you, that national championship game, I thought this is the last of we're going to hear from this guy. And Tua came in, and I thought it was going to be history. But he has kind of reinvented himself into a superstar. What really helped him ascend to that level?
6: Yeah, this is, this is I'm going to give you such a bad answer, but I really believe it's the truth. When you listen to him talk to his teammates, we all should have just immediately gone all in on him. Because he has that demeanor of, no matter what you do to me, I am coming back. And it reminds me so much of that guy who, you know, just stopped playing, who has seven rings, right? Where it's like, no matter what you do to me at Michigan or what you do to me at New England, like, I'm going to keep coming back. And it's like, you know, because, you know, I'm in this business, right, of developing quarterbacks. We spend so much time getting these guys driving range ready. Right? Where at least you won't embarrass yourself with how you throw the ball. You're, you throw the ball effectively, your drop is clean, you know what to do. And the hardest thing is it's like, but that's just a piece of it, right? Like, that's what I always joke about playing quarterback and why it's the hardest. I would think pitching is the hardest thing to do if the third base coach could come out, you know, come off the side and, and smack you in the face. He can't, right? Like, it, quarterbacks do everything pitchers do from a mechanical standpoint. And then you also got to remember we have to diagnose what 21 other people are doing. And, oh, by the way, someone might just come off the edge clean and just rescue, right? Like that's where Jalen hurts to me is that guy is because he, it's everything else. Like he's not that, like, if we're being honest, he's not that clean of a passer, right? He's not that efficient from a footwork standpoint, but he makes those plays where it just like, it looks like in the huddle, it just looks like he has 10 guys that look at him and know, because we have this dude, we're going to be okay. And that's what sometimes makes these guys so great, and it has nothing to do with how pretty they throw or all that. So I agree with you, right? We saw him get benched for two of How many kids grow up wanting to play quarterback, get benched in the national title, and would have enough mental fortitude to bounce back? Not very many. Right? So just there, it's, like, incredible. And then to see what he's done with the Eagles, you know, I'm super impressed with him. I don't think he's particularly gifted in any trait other than maybe the fact that with how big and strong he is when he gets downhill and runs a little bit. But I do think from a quarterback standpoint, mentally and how he leads, he's just about everything you want.
2: Okay, Tim, Trevor Lawrence, to me, has always kind of looked like the prototype. So let's discuss. Uh, week two against Kansas City, red zone issues, third down inefficiencies. Peterson came out, kind of put the blame a little bit on the offense, not necessarily the play calling. Lawrence is one of those I assumed can't miss, but are you seeing something differently when taking a look at the tape?
6: Yeah, the week one stuff we broke down looked great. And then you sit there and you go week two and – Your worry with it is that it happens against a quality opponent, right? That's always my worry with some of these guys, where you sit there and you go, you know, hey, you win a game you're supposed to win against Indianapolis, right, or whoever they had week one. And then you have Kansas City, the game you're not supposed to win, the game who, hey, they're the big dog in the AFC. You're the guy trying to be the contender, and we basically really have a dud of a game, right? Those are the kind of things that that you hate. I think the reality is I think Kansas City – did a really good job covering up Ridley, right? I think down tight or situations that mattered, you saw coverages that either bracketed Ridley or, hey, we robbed to Ridley's side, meaning that drop-down safety kind of got over to Ridley's side. And then, I, and then I just don't think Kirk really created separation or there wasn't that number two guy who stepped up and said, hey, I'll be the guy who's going to you know, create separation because they're leaving me ISO'd. That to me is my bigger worry if I'm a Jacksonville fan. It's not so much Trevor. Like I think Trevor obviously could have played better. Like you can't complete fifty percent of your pass in the NFL and then think, hey, I played a good game, right? But I do think what we really need to see is who is that guy that's gonna be opposite Ridley, whether it's a tight end, whether it's a receiver, who's gonna be able to step up and, and be somebody that when people decide to bracket away from on um, third down can then can then also be the guy who gets open against man coverage.
3: Tim, at the collegiate level, there's been no more conversation about any team than Colorado. Assess Shadour Sanders, because i got to give you a ton of credit. You came on our show in the summer before the season started, and you liked him, and you thought he was going to be pretty effective, and we haven't seen anything to change so far in the first three games.
6: Yeah, I mean, I think what a story in college football, right? You have Deion Sanders, comes out of nowhere, and then resurrects a ball club that used to be good, and then, you know, I, <laughs> I grew up in Colorado, by the time that I was going through high school, nobody, it wasn't like you wanted to stay in state and play. Granted, I had to go to Fort Lewis College, you know, where we were 6-36 in the RMAC, which none of your listeners have heard of. Still ended up in the league, right? It wasn't because I was a winner. Just threw the ball around the yard. But I think it's one of those things where you look at CU and you go, man, it's great for the state. What I think Dion does that's so different is I think he is super genuine with how he cares about his guys. He's very honest, right? About NIL. He's very honest about media. He's very honest about all this stuff, which is somewhat refreshing, right? To hear from a coach that, no, actually, I hear everything you guys say. Because everybody does, right? We can all pretend like athletes and coaches are superhuman and turn the TV off. They just don't, right? They're just like everybody else. They listen to stuff. And I just think it's refreshing. I think Shador as a prospect is going to be an interesting one because I think there are a lot of things that are Jalen Hurts ish, right, with how he leads. I don't know if you guys watched the game against CSU, but it's like, man, he got, you know, basically a helmet under his chin. He's bleeding. He, what, he spits out the blood and then goes and has two guys coming free off the edge on the two-point play, and what does he do? He throws a dagger in the back of the end zone, right? Those are the kind of plays that you sit there and you go, man, I probably want this guy leading my ball club. But then simultaneously, you've got guys like Caleb Williams and the kid at North Carolina, like, can he actually jump them, right? That's the question that I think is going to be really interesting. I think the next two games are going to be huge for them because these next two games will prove it. Like, if we're being honest, none of us even really know what TCU is yet, right? Like, do we, is TCU going to take a step back? Are they really as good as they were last year?
2: Tim, I'm going to jump in. We'll pick up the Shador Sanders conversation in college football next week. Adam Burke is next.
5: 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
2: This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Berkey Tuesdays, our managing editor over at VSIN and vsin.com on a Tuesday, hour three. Adam Burke joins us skating tripods. You get the VSIN daily baseball. Bet's podcast, v College Football Betting Podcast with Tim Murray on Tuesdays as well. You got the look ahead from Mr. Burke as far as week three early lines and thoughts. We'll get to those in the NFL. We'll get to the college football preview as well as we welcome you back. Amal Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson. I'm Patrick Maher. And we say, what's up, Burkey? How you doing, Adam? Nice to see you. I'm
7: good. Good to be back. Good to see you too, Patrick. It's been a
2: couple of weeks since I've Thank seen you. you. Thank you, buddy. It's nice to be back. I appreciate that. Uh, Let's back up, and then we'll move forward. Uh, We split on the total last night, so one game goes over, one under, but big time overs cash in Week 2. We'll put that aside and just talk about the games first, okay? We'll start with defense coming through for Pittsburgh, obviously an outright winner as a two-point dog against Cleveland, your Browns. What did you take away from that matchup?
7: Well, I I took away sadness and despair, to be totally honest with you, because the Nick Chubb injury is just such a huge issue for the Browns going forward. And Jerome Ford had a couple of bright spots in that game, including that long run. But, you know, I mean, the way that Deshaun Watson is playing, the way that this offense looks, the way this offensive line looked last night, you know, they really need Nick Chubb to be that guy, and now he won't be. So we'll see what happens with Cleveland going forward. But, again, the, the biggest takeaway for me last night is that T.J. Watt is completely unblockable. I mean, there's just nothing you can do with that guy, and he covers up what I think are a lot of deficiencies for that Pittsburgh defense. I thought their coverage was not particularly good. It was Watt and Highsmith who made all the plays for them, and that wound up being enough.
3: When you look at Deshaun Watson, does he have the ability to kind of get back to where he was in Houston? Patrick and I were talking earlier about his inability to escape the uh, pressure where in the past he would have been able to elude it, get the ball down the field or take off running himself. Can he regain that?
7: You know what? He looks slow. He looks really indecisive. There were some guys open down the field. I mean, Pittsburgh's coverage was really soft, especially along the sidelines and and Watson just wasn't seeing it. Wasn't making the throws was, you know, as the pocket kind of collapsed around him, he got a little bit jumpy, took off and went. You know, I think it's really difficult because Deshaun Watson's not really intended to be a pocket passer, but that's what he's kind of forced to do with the composition of this team. Even though Kevin Stefanski redid the playbook for him, you know, it's still not been a good look here through the first two games and I I don't want to call it a sunken cost at this point, but this guy has shown no signs of being able to be even a league average quarterback, let alone the top 10 caliber guy he was you know, before the long-term suspension.
2: And the application of, and I totally agree, it feels like Watson, Berkey, a little bit running in mud. He he just doesn't look like he has the same quick twitch. But the Chubb absence moving forward for the Browns, and we can discuss next up for the Browns, they host the Titans. I think that number's down to three, which we can have a discussion uh, on a larger scale. But just the impact. I mean, this is a guy that rushed during his career for 5.3 yards per carry just was what 10 for 64 last night early in the second before the gruesome injury I mean he matters as much at the running back position to the Browns as anybody
7: yeah he absolutely does I mean I kind of would have expected a bigger adjustment in this line to be totally honest with you I, I realize that you know outside of of the elitist of the elite position you know skill position guys you don't get a whole lot of line movement but Nick Chubb is that guy to me I mean Nick Chubb is probably a a point-and-a-half adjustment to the number for me, especially because Cleveland wants to achieve balance because they they have to with where Deshaun Watson is right now, and now it's going to be much harder for them to achieve that balance. So I think it's a really significant injury for them. That being said, I'm not impressed with Tennessee at all. I I really don't think Tennessee is going to have a great amount of success running the football against Cleveland. And say what you will about this offense, and, and there's a lot to say about it, This defense is phenomenal. They are flying to the ball. Grant Delpit looks like a completely different player. Everybody in the secondary basically looks different this season, and they still have a pretty good front four. You know, I think defensively they're going to stay in a lot of ball games, but the problem is can you really rely on Watson to get that big third and eight completion? Can you rely on him to make the right decision in the red zone? I don't know. At this point, I mean, despite, you know, the 26-22 game yesterday that did go over the total, Cleveland looks like a stone-cold under team going forward.
3: I would agree with you on that. I like that assessment on Browns in terms of the total. I want to ask you specifically, when you look at this Miami Dolphins team, they've got Denver on deck this week, They're six and six and a half point favorite. Have you seen enough from this Miami team offensively in New England and of course the great performance they had against the Chargers to make you a firm believer in them to be the favorites in the AFC East?
7: Favorite? I'm not so sure. I mean, I don't want to discredit Buffalo at this point in time, but also I was very high on Miami coming into the season. I think Mike McDaniel is a really brilliant head coach, and we've seen that through the first two games. He knew he could throw the ball all over the Chargers, so he did. Then you see the big Raheem Mostert game in week two against New England, so he's very capable of adjusting on the fly and really putting his team in the best position to succeed from a matchup standpoint. And that's really all you can ask in today's NFL, and they've got a very good chance to move to 3-0. and You mentioned the line in that game against Denver, and Denver has all sorts of issues at this point in time. So I've been very impressed with Miami. Is the defense good enough? I think that's a question as we go forward. But offensively, as long as Tua stays upright, you know, if they're going to have any semblance of a running game, this is a very dynamic and very dangerous offensive team.
2: I just I just quickly want to, because we got the Browns, I want to, Adam Burke, uh, Beeson managing ed, uh, editor at the desk there with the boys at the D, I want to circle back to Pittsburgh and get your take. So, of course, Pittsburgh's in Vegas right next to you guys where you're sitting Sunday night, but let's discuss the team. A winner last night, Burkey. it's not repeatable to get two defensive touchdowns. Uh, you add in Cleveland's four turnovers, I mean, it was an offense. Obviously, Matt Canada's getting crushed. But just overall, moving forward with the Steelers, where are you? You know, where are you on Pickett? I'd love to get your take.
7: Yeah, look, I mean, I think George Pickens is a phenomenal player. I think George Pickens has very little help in this offense. You know I mean? Deontay Johnson being on the IR does not help them at all whatsoever. If they're going to keep giving the ball to Najee Harris, they're just going to keep shooting themselves in the foot. And Jalen Warren is too small to be an every down back. And, you know, we saw him, you know, miss some assignments in terms of blitz pickup and pass rushers in last night's game. I think Pittsburgh has a lot of issues offensively, and they're not just Matt Canada issues. I think there's still questions about whether or not Kenny Pickett is a legit, you know, league average or better NFL starting quarterback. Pickens is a matchup nightmare, but beyond that, I mean Fryermouth was barely even noticeable yesterday. You know, they just to me they just don't have enough guys that can create big explosive plays for them. It'll have to be on the defense and I think outside of Watt, Highsmith, you know, maybe Micah Fitzpatrick if, you know, he's able to come back quickly from whatever that injury was that he suffered last night. They've got, you know, kind of a stars and scrubs unit on defense. I know we all joke about it. We've talked about it a million times on this show. Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season. I think the Steelers will have a losing season this year. I really, truly believe that.
3: I don't think you're too far off based on the performance we've seen so far. Kansas City Chiefs have scored 37 points in two games. There's probably not too many other teams in the National Football League we'd ask that question about. Is there a reason to be concerned in terms of the offensive performance we've seen out of this team in the first two weeks?
7: Well, I mean, look, you know, obviously in week one, they don't have Travis Kelsey, right? And Travis Kelsey is a top five wide receiver in the NFL. And I know he plays tight end, but he's a top five wide receiver in the NFL. So, you know, he comes back and against the Jags, they didn't look super explosive. They wound up having some issues of their own. And certainly there are questions, you know, was it, did Eric Biennemi have more to do with that offense than we originally thought? That's certainly a possibility. I think there are reasons to be concerned about the Chiefs just because, you know, we kind of saw this with Sean McVay and all the innovative concepts and things that he was doing at the NFL level. People eventually caught up, and I think with Andy Reid, people are eventually going to catch up, and that may be exactly what's happening now, so I think there are, you know, reasons to be legitimately concerned, especially because, I mean, Detroit didn't play all that well against Seattle defensively, so I think there are definitely reasons to be concerned, maybe not this week against the Chicago Bears, but, Let's see what the Chiefs do in that game against the Jets on October 1st when they face a really legitimately good defense. Let's see if those problems continue to exist.
2: Okay, back to Monday night, Adam. So the Saints, they beat a Titans team you just mentioned you're not overly impressed by. They beat a Carolina team. We'll get your take on Carolina. My assumption is not overly impressed. Short week, they go to Lambeau. That number's creeping down a little bit. Green Bay open 2.5, maybe 3 at a shop. And now we're seeing one and a half, two, New Orleans catching one and a half, two at Green Bay. Your take on the Saints overall and that matchup in Green Bay?
7: Well, I think the question for the Saints is I mean, what's left in the tank for Derek Carr? And is this just going to a different team, learning a new playbook, learning to play with different personnel? Because, I mean, obviously, he was here with the Raiders for such a long period of time that he had developed a rapport with pretty much everybody, even as they had coaches coming in and out, stuff like that. At this point in time, I mean, he just doesn't look comfortable with the Saints. And, and they've had a couple of big throws. They've had a couple of explosive plays that have kind of saved them in some games here so far. But Carr just consistently doesn't look comfortable with this team. Last night, I mean, Taysom Hill far and away, your leading rusher. That's probably not the greatest recipe for success. I think the Saints are still very talented defensively, but I've got great concerns about this offense going forward. And honestly, of the plays that we see here so far, I don't really get – why this line is coming down in this Packers game. I do like Green Bay here this week.
3: Been impressed by this team defensively, the offensively minus Jordan Love. Where, where do you come out on Green Bay?
7: Well, look, I mean, I think for Green Bay, we, the, the data set is, you know, not fully available because they've had injuries at the wide receiver position for the first two weeks of the season. And you know, I know that we can kind of talk about the the merits of the preseason and how much that matters but you know Jordan Love and the first team offense looked really good for Green Bay in the exhibition games and now they've had the issues with Kristen Watson being banged up and some other guys and you know Bakhtiari not playing on in this in this past game so I think there are you know legitimate reasons to be optimistic about the Packers who haven't full strength yet offensively and I think have done some really good things to this point in the season.
2: Speaking of optimism Looks like Kareem Hunt is visiting your Browns today. You good with that, Cam Akers? Potentially a trade there?
7: Uh, no, I. I mean, look, there's a reason why <laughs> there, there's a reason why Kareem Hunt is not signed yet. Uh, he's just he's not going to create a lot of explosive plays. He's familiar with last year's version of the offense, but they redid the playbook, you know, for Deshaun Watson this season. So it'd be a learning curve for Hunt coming in again. I, I don't think he's going to be an upgrade over over the things that they have in house right now.
2: We got doubles in San Francisco, Thursday Night Football. Managing editor Adam Burke wrote about it over at vsin.com. We'll talk about it coming back. This is Sharp Money, vsin, the sports betting network.